Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Human Behavior Show. And this is going to be one of my favorites, talking about artificial intelligence. A topic I got super interested in the last few years, and I kind of love where the future may be, or where we see the future going as well. And to discuss that today on this episode, I have with me Tieran Hawkins uh, from California, someone who I met on you know, Clubhouse, and she's hosting some amazing rooms, a lot of really interesting content around where AI is, where it's going. And there's kind of a lot of hype when, when we were in these discussions. She asked me to take part of some health AI ones as well. So with everything involved with artificial intelligence, the hype, uh, you know, the predictions, um, we're going to have her here today discuss what she's interested in and where she thinks AI is going. So first of all, welcome to into the podcast. So happy to have you here. Uh, how's it going? It's oh, it's so amazing. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, super excited to talk about the future of AI. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Tian Hawkins. Uh, don't be fooled by the accent. Although I'm Australian, I'm actually uh, based in Silicon Valley and spend my time between Los Angeles and San Fran. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm super excited to be here with you today and super thankful originally for, for Clubhouse for connecting us and all the amazing souls that I've met along the way. And yeah, I'm going to let you uh, obviously drive with questions and let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that Silicon Valley energy. <laughs> I've missed it. But um, yeah, one of the places where I met a lot of people doing a lot of things in AI and in the pandemic, and we saw all these really interesting innovations that people were talking about and kind of forced to because of digitalization and the pandemic limiting what we could do in person. And yeah, Tiaran, you hosted some great, great uh, programming and I really used to enjoy them being part of the panels. So first of all, Tiaran, to start off with, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? How did you get interested or into AI? Like what fascinates you about this? Wow, thank you. Um, Yeah, so my background isn't actually from a technical degree. Um, I fell into the world of digital transformation after a couple of years uh, in the military, which uh, is a whole different story, but uh, fell into tech and and, uh, specifically digital transformation when I was 23. I want to say that wasn't too long ago, but it was quite a while ago. I I hate it when you have to summarize uh, your years in the business these days because they just keep piling up. But um, yeah, look, I started started back then and, and was really focused on the notion of Um, how companies were going from um, analog to digital and what that meant across creative marketing, sales, technology, um, as we all started to digitalize. Um, Obviously, the next step of digital transformation is artificial intelligence. And my natural progression um, after about 11 years, 12 years in uh, the digital transformation space was I fell into artificial intelligence in Silicon Valley and specifically um, in the language space. So chatbots, digital assistants, robots, um, you know, focused on human intelligence um, and kind of that that section of human and robots and, and how we interact on a daily basis and as we start to, to automate um, a lot of the things that, uh, you know, the tasks that are repetitive and various others. But, yeah, the, in, in summary, um, I kind of fell into it. 
I also fought for it as well. Um, the company that I joined had an AI initiative and um, when I first started working with them, I was uh, inquisitive and, and asked the right questions and, and begged to be on uh, the AI team. And of course, I didn't have the credentials to start with, but uh, I slowly uh, worked on myself and, and worked on learning about artificial intelligence and uh, eventually ended up in the, in the AI innovation team there. But we can, uh, we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah, thanks, Jim, for that background. Pretty cool. Um, and before we start, I do want to ask you, I keep hearing about Web3 at the moment, right? And last year was all about AI, GPT-3, all these you know, interesting things happening. Um, do you think AI is still as hot as it was last year? That's an amazing question. So, yes, absolutely. Artificial intelligence isn't going anywhere. Um, it's been around for 50 years and... Um, after, um, you know, a lot of advancements in the last five specifically um, and reading some reports, it's currently valued at about $59 billion in 2021. And we're going to see that grow to about $422 billion, $422 billion, uh, by 2028. And we're seeing more adoption of things like self-driving cars, robotics. It's just the fact that it's not as widely spoken about in some of the, the forums um, and that's just purely because now it, it is rolled out across, you know, the majority of companies. And we start to look at it across different countries now. Um, you know, it's widely deployed across the economy. And so I feel like it is 100% just as important. Web3 is the new the new hot and artificial <laughs> intelligence will definitely play a role when we start to see things like deep fakes and the understanding some of the data within Web3. Um, but to answer your question, yes, um, Web3 is new, it's fast, it's hot, it's sexy, um, but artificial intelligence is, is kind of that more slow developing, continually developing beast that most organizations are definitely um, incorporating in their strategies and are rolling out today. And quite frankly, a lot of us use ap applications today that we wouldn't even know that were powered by AI. Um, we just, it's just the norm. So, um, yes, I think it's definitely just as important, if not more at the moment. Yeah, I would wholly agree with you. I think things go through hype, but the progress we're making in AI is insane. And you're right. I think everyone knows about it now and people are implementing those solutions rather than it being such a new buzz that people are trying to jump on. So I'm going for a bit of context for the audience. Um, can you tell us kind of what is AI in terms of why is it so such a big thing now? Has, has it been around for a while? You said, you know, you mentioned the past as well of artificial intelligence why are people interested in using AI? Is it for the automation capabilities or is it genuinely to replace humans? Well, that is, again, you're coming up with the most amazing question. So putting it simply, artificial intelligence or AI is essentially simulating human intel intelligence in machine forms. So if we start to think about it, a lot of the use cases that people are seeing today from an enterprise perspective are looking at any of the repetitive tasks that can be automated by artificial intelligence, um, other things like self-driving cars. And we've talked previously about the medical industry where we're looking at early diagnostics of uh, diseases, um, you know, helping with patient care, um, wearables, so tracking all of your health conditions to so understand a little bit more about your body and what's happening with your health, all areas that um, are being developed today. And we're already seeing consumers really enjoying the benefits of artificial intelligence in those aspects. 
When it comes to just replacing humans, sure, there are going to be some tasks that are going to be replaced by machines and artificial intelligence. But at the end of the day, it empowers us to be able to um, focus on the things that um, we're probably best suited to do. And in my opinion, the more data, the better. When you've got the ability to be able to track your sleep, um, understand your vitals, your health, start to understand a little bit more about um, for instance, uh, early detection on disease for, for cancer and various other things, I'm kind of all for it. Um, and I'm all for it replacing the human mistake elements. But at the core of it, one of the biggest issues that we are seeing at the moment, which needs to be addressed and is certainly being addressed by many corporations and governments around the world, um, is this issue with ethics and bias. So as obviously um, the adaption of artificial intelligence continues across the globe, what we're also seeing is it's now magnifying some of the issues um, that we've seen around biases, um, which is inherent throughout the human race. As we know, we billions and billions of use cases of, of biases um, and also of ethics. So ensuring that the applications are both ethical and have been built in an ethical matter and adhere to some sort of ethical scorecard um, and, for instance, aren't, um, you know, neglecting certain races or, or leaving out certain people that, that could benefit from it. So I don't know if that answered your question. It was, it was kind of a long No, no that's a really comprehensive answer. I actually loved it, yeah. Even went into kind of the ethics side, which I was actually going to soon as well. Uh, before we get to that, so obviously um, recently in the news, um, there was a Google employee um, who thought the artificial intelligence they were working on at Google became sentient. So by that, obviously for the listeners, we mean became human-like, had its own decision-making capabilities or was able to pass the touring test where it shows that you know something is lifelike right and essentially how we look at ai is that it's 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 more complicated than i'm going to explain now but it's a bunch of bayesian tree models it's also you got convoluted neural networks you've got a lot of machine learning applied to it so you have a lot of these um you know man-made algorithms that keep improving by themselves right and they get more data and it trains on data and you've got data sets and training sets and then this ai evolves over time but essentially it still is a set of rules that are ever evolving but by sentient being like 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 humans you know we can we can feel we have desires we have certain emotions um, that element we we don't say artificial intelligence has but the the fear or what some people are scared of is can ai develop its own being can, can it improve to such a degree that it's inintelligible from human life or or, or 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 life as we know it and this google employee seemed to be um you could use the word tricked into thinking that the ai was real because it was so sophisticated right um I don't know if you heard that news story, Taryn, and, and what kind of your take on that was. Um, it was interesting because I was, I was listening to a podcast recently, Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Mark Andreessen, actually, invested of Clubhouse. Um, and he was challenging Mark on, on kind of the dangers of AI. And we know Elon is trying to implant chips in people's brains as well. And can you download yourself to a chip and, and then fuse with AI and all these weird and wonderful possibilities. I'd love to kind of hear what, what you're thinking on this is obviously we look at the very practical applications of AI, right? When it comes to tech products and healthcare and things, but, but what about this, this possibility? Um, yeah, I haven't actually had the chance to see that uh, interview or that, hear that podcast yet. Um, 
I, I do know what you're talking about um, with the Google employee uh, referring to the AI being sentiment. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I think the easiest way to think about it, right, is artificial intelligence in its current state is simulating human intelligence. And I think it almost gives it away in the fact that the definition alone says it's a simulation of human intelligence. Now, when we start to think about creating the data sets that program these type of applications, you can certainly weave in feeling in not necessarily the fact it's actually feeling, but enough data so that it understands how to respond with simulated emotion, right? Um, and I, it's mimicking a human conversation. And I think when we start to really understand that artificial intelligence in its current form is what we call artificial narrow intelligence currently, or known as A&I, um, it's, it's got a, a narrow range of abilities. However, that being said, if the data set or the language data set is large enough for the robot to be able to communicate and pull on um, uh, simulated emotion, then it's going to respond in a simulated response that's going to best mimic how a human should respond to that conversation. Um, and uh, I haven't seen any evidence yet of any of these bots or anything else having genuine feeling, and I think we can dive into a whole other uh, debate there around when and if that will ever happen. But I think the key thing for people to understand is artificial intelligence currently is at what we call narrow intelligence. If you look up narrow intelligence and want to read more about it, it is really a, a narrow range of abilities. It's imitating humans. Um, you know, I work on the data side of artificial intelligence. I build language models specifically with our teams. Um, and the language models or the, the response of a bot is only as good as the data you feed it. The more data you give it, the more... The, the, the wider the range um, of response. So if you think about a child, a child when um, it first, start, first starts to communicate has limited ability to draw um, on uh, responses. It's yes, no's, gugas, whatever it may be, right? I don't have kids, but I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm ad living here. Um, whereas a robot's the same. So the, the more you start to teach it um, various different things it can respond to, sad, happy responses, um, it, it's going to imitate that feeling. I love that answer, actually. And before actually we move on onto that, um, so my question, the follow-up to that would be is, um, this is quite personal, do you believe in the singularity, this kind of concept? People like Ray Kurzweil from Google, et cetera, think that by, I don't know, a certain date, I think 2048 or 2030, <laughs> certain, certain dates he'd given that... Um, technology will supersede human capability and we'll have this kind of fusion. Do I believe in it? Yeah, yeah. it's a real possibility. I mean, um, the, the reality is this. The human race can be um, greedy. We know that. And in a lot of instances, um, artificial intelligence companies that are building technology in unregulated markets or in countries that share a lot of their data between them, and I'm not going to mention some of the superpowers because I don't, don't want to dive into that, but um, there, there's definitely a lot happening in the space and a race for those to develop what you call artificial general intelligence or artificial super intelligence. So that's AGI um, or ASI you might hear thrown around. Um, and in the courses that I've done through, um, you know, the brief courses at MIT and various others, I, I, I don't see 
Um, I, I mean, I can't see any evidence of, of how close we are to, to either of those, which would then be, you know, the, the first point that computers might take over the world. Um, is it possible? Of course it is. Um, technology is is moving at such a rate. But I do think that humans have a voice and we have a voice in the you know, impact of artificial intelligence on our life, how we want to interact with it, which is why it's so important people start to learn about AI and and uh, not ignore the, the topic. Um, singularity, yeah, I mean, it's it's the looming point of no return um, and, and the race is on, so to speak. But I do feel like the human race always fights back and um, I feel that with the right governance and the uh, right restrictions in place that um, we can prevent such a thing. But, yeah, it's definitely a real risk. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know where we're at from a date perspective. I certainly have not seen anything in the market that even slightly <laughs> demonstrates. It's all a simulation at this point. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, we're just so, I mean, I think when you, when you work on this side of the, the fence, right, it's yeah. just when you just see how early in the piece um, you know, artificial intelligence is and, and where we're really at that uh, it would probably um, help people sleep at night, you know? Yeah, I really like to use the word race, actually, because this is how powerful this technology is that literally people, companies are competing to kind of build, you know, using the better data sets to train the better AI models because the, the way automation has changed our lives is is incredible, right? And the way it's kind of finding itself and me being a doctor, even in medicine, like I know for a fact, certain scans can be better read by a computer than a human that makes errors, gets tired, may not have that experience, may have visual uh, defects, right? Where a computer trained in a certain way to a certain standard is no way it's going to miss certain things. So that possibility is actually A, really exciting. B, I can see the fear that humans may have especially when it comes to like a job perspective and things like that and how the future is going to be. And humans don't like uncertainty. But the sheer power and investment that's going into AI is kind of a sign of, of where we think power really lies. And that is in technological development. And, you know, with, as you said, natural language processing, almost this mimicking of humans is, is incredible how you can create, you know, I, I saw your, this avatar you use as well. I found it pretty actually humorous. It's actually pretty, I, I thought it was real at one point. <laughs> Voice is a little robotic. Um, so do you actually implement, I know, so I had a friend, she actually used an AI uh, messaging bot on LinkedIn and it was super effective. She was getting so much return uh, for her so-called PA um, replies to messages. So do you implement AI in those ways in your life? I saw your avatar. Okay, I think it's working now. <laughs> Perfect. I'm just bringing you up, Tiern, again. Perfect, yeah. Um, we'll edit out that little <laughs> space, but yeah, so, so are you using it and are you implementing it in your life in any ways? Um, did I? I wasn't sure what came through then. So, um, yes, I am using it. Um, did you hear anything about the, the avatar or when did I? No, I start again? from the end of the question if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry, I, I, I didn't notice that uh, I jumped back down again. So, yeah, to answer your question, um, I use avatars, uh, digital assistants, bots in my day-to-day -day life, both personally and at work. Um, I'm a huge believer in, um, you know, just getting in there and trying AI applications. Like I said earlier, I don't have a degree in AI um, I, I simply just had a, a curiosity about the space and started to dive in at work and ask questions and, and put my hand up to be involved in various different um, AI initiatives, um, you know, free of charge to, to my company. I just wanted to learn. And so from there, 
I was like, well, how else can I learn um, AI? Well, the, the, the easiest way is to start implementing it and using some of the free tools, some of the other tools out there um, on a daily basis. So things like bots, um, I created an avatar. She is my intern, my broadcast intern for my uh, my own little AI series. Um, she's uh, She introduced speakers. She does overviews of some of my episodes. She does announcements on LinkedIn for me. Um, I mean, she doesn't know how to say my name. <laughs> Tian's a bit of a difficult one, but um, I think we're a few years a few years away on that one. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I love using AI. I think it's uh, it's been great for things like that. Um, I don't have to wake up and do my hair and makeup to do a video on LinkedIn. I can literally get her, give her a script, and off she goes. So uh, two minutes, it's uh, it's on the web. But um, yeah, That's I'm really insane. enjoying. It. That's <laughs> insane. You could probably put her on TikTok as well. Oh, yeah, you can put her anywhere. She's hilarious. Um, but again, you know, the way I even refer to her, I can make her seem like she has personality and feeling with a script. Um, but again, she's not sentient. And uh, I don't think she's going to start to uh, really ask me how my day is or, or, or care. <laughs> so no, no bonding there. But that's super cool that you're actually implementing and using AI to make your life more automated and easier as well. And that's what I try and do in my life as well. If I can automate it, I try my best to do it. And I remember uh, last year, copy.ai I tried. It was your marketing for my startup. And, and it was super useful. You could just feed in certain words and it would produce, um, you know, almost expert level a copy, <laughs> which was which is shows the power of GPT-3. Um, so, Tiran, so far we've discussed kind of a bit about the history of AI, a bit of the applications of what it is. And, you know, artificial narrow intelligence versus general intelligence. Will the singularity be reached? Uh, a lot of kind of postulations as well. Um, so now I want to kind of touch upon what you're seeing. What What are you seeing in terms of AI when it comes to companies? Are they, should, should every company be looking at AI? Um, should they have a wing of artificial intelligence? If you're a startup, are AI startups still hot right now? Um, and then from a development perspective, um, obviously in the last two years, we've seen a lot of progress. Um, do you still see a lot of companies just throwing the word around AI without actually knowing what it means because it sounds more investable or are you actually now seeing solutions which are a actual genuine AI driven and new machine learning models? Um, yeah, great question. So, um, I'm fortunate that I get to work with um, a lot of enterprise organizations. So I feel like their understanding of artificial intelligence and their implication, imp- implementation um, of it is a little bit more advanced than others. And, and that's fine. I mean, they have the resources, they have the means. Um, but that being said, they all start by identifying use cases that artificial intelligence could potentially solve for. Okay. And it's not about solving these huge, complex tasks, it generally starts with small tasks um, of which are repetitive that an application uh, powered by AI might be able to to help solve for. Maybe it's um, data analytics, business forecasting. Um, It could be things like an email spam filter, um, fraud detection and uh, prevention, um, scheduling, responding, emails even. Um, You can use, um, you know, various different uh, email AIs these days to be able to help for, uh, filter uh, emails for you. Um, some of the bigger use cases are obviously around uh, voice and digital assistance, um, facial recognition. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing a lot of uptake from, from organisations. Um, I was reading a report that said something like um, 76% 
of CEOs are now saying that they're um, doubling down investment um, for some of their AI applications across their their companies. Um, but that being said, from a startup perspective, there's still a lot of companies out there that say they're building AI, um, say they're solving for these big use cases, but when you look under the hood, um, they may not have as an advanced um, application of artificial intelligence. It can sometimes be a buzzword. So I wouldn't say that every startup that says they're an AI company is certainly solving for some big things. Um, but, yeah, we're definitely seeing a huge uptake, uptake across businesses. Um, you know, I work in, in more of the conversational AI space, so building avatars and virtual assistants and banking bots and all of those big applications in multiple different languages are certainly quite large for organisations when they think about how they can customise um, and scale customer experience um, and, and how they can potentially use a virtual assistant or a chatbot. Um, I actually, on the weekend, got extremely frustrated with my bank. Um, I'm not going to say banking names because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> but um, I, I called through uh, to the bank and I was in this, you know, loop. Um, and my query was, was quite an, uh, an easy query, which a bot could have potentially answered and dealt with within a couple of seconds. Um, but instead, I spent 45 minutes on the phone and finally got through to someone of which said, sorry, we don't support a request like this in non-office hours. Um, and so, you know, it can be very frustrating on the other end, right, where you've got some organisations that are quite advanced um, where you can call and, for instance, I know with um, my mobile carrier I can call, pay a bill, ask a query, do all of that with a bot in seconds versus waiting for a customer, you know, customer rep, um, whereas others that haven't implemented AI um, you know, having customers frustrated and they'll either lose customers to other other banks or other other telcos or whatever, you know, whatever service they're providing um, because they're not implementing AI solutions like this because the human race is starting to get used to ease and grace 24-7, right? Um, our behaviour is changing uh, rapidly. Same as I don't know if any of you have a, an Alexa or a Siri or Hey Google in the house. Um, and if you've ever then travelled and been in a hotel and woken up and uh, I did this the other day on my last business trip, I'm like, hey, Alexa, and I realised <laughs> I was in a hotel. Um, you know, so we, we become accustomed to to having these tools and applications in our data life and, quite frankly, I couldn't live without them. Same. I mean, my Alexa, I, I over-index on it almost to use it. And when I'm away, same with you, same like you, you experienced, I'm like, hey, I need my alarm, I need all of that. And so much so, my, my mattress is the 8-sleep mattress, which is a smart mattress, right? And I got an email today saying, hey, you're having to refill a bit more than usual. There must be something wrong with the something in the mattress. And that's how intelligent life is getting, that everything around us, right, is inputting data, and then we're getting feedback. And, and, and I think it makes, our, you're right, our life more convenient, and that's how behaviors have changed. We expect things 24-7 on demand. And I can definitely see the use cases of virtual assistants in kind of every domain and, and it would make it way more, um, you know, the customer experience would be a lot more improved. So that's actually super interesting. So Tiran, um, like I'm obviously super interested in health and I can see how AI and health is going to be revolutionary, right? Especially when it comes to preventive medicine and looking at how we can almost uh, prevent disease through changing people's behaviors and being told information on, you know, what behaviors are healthy, what aren't. And we need something that's super intelligent to help 
influence our day-to-day data from wearables, right? And, and that's something like I'm working on and what I'm interested in. Um, but you work across broad, you know, as you said, specializing in customer experience and avatars, and you get to see what's happening. Are you so at these kind of AI conferences you attend and these kind of think tanks and these round tables, um, what are people saying in terms of AI investment? Is the AI investment still pretty high right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if anything, I would say a lot of the organizations, um, certainly that, that we deal with and, and others are doubling down. You've got to think about it this way, right? Um, whether it's a publicly listed company, a private company, not-for-profit, um, there is a lot of hype at the executive level and at the board level of these organizations to start to implement artificial intelligence, even if the board doesn't quite know, some boards do, I'm not talking about every, obviously, um, but even if they don't quite know or understand how AI works. So you've got pressure from a board down saying, I feel like artificial intelligence could solve this problem. I read an article the other day where this company was using a, a fraud detector to prevent fraud, and we've got a billion-dollar fraud issue every single year. We could use AI for this, right? Then those use cases are out there, and, and there's definitely that need and drive. Um, a lot of AI to be built organically is very, very expensive, um, and it's expensive for multiple different reasons. The first reason is obviously you need some sort of team that specializes in artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, and, and that field. The other is obviously the data to be able to build these applications. Um, you can't just scrape the web for data. You can't just necessarily use customer data. Um, these these applications require data sets to be able to train the algorithm for the output. Um, and so we're seeing obviously a, a huge um, investment in, in both sides. Um, previously speaking, I probably saw more investment in developing the application and, and building out the teams. Um, but now that we're moving into data-centric AI, um, we're now starting to see an importance on really clean and ethical data, which then, um, you know, uh, powers the application to give the outputs. And so to answer your question, yes, um, we're definitely seeing a huge increase in investment, and I think that's probably why the market's going from $59 billion, uh, in 2021 to um, just over $422 billion in 2028. Wow, that's a great shift, actually. And it's interesting because last year I hosted um, Kevin Rose, who just published his book on automation and the future of work. And um, I'd actually love your take on this, actually. So a lot of people talk about how as humans, we should develop certain skills for the future, right? A lot of creativity, because that's what AI may struggle to replicate more so than, than you know, some, some certain other jobs. Um, what, are, what would be your advice to people who are in the audience listening to this podcast and to prepare for the AI world? What should we be doing? Um, love this question. Um, <laughs> as I've mentioned a few times throughout, I do not have a degree in machine learning, computer science, AI, any related field. Um, I started working for a company, um, the current company that I work for. It's a, it's a language services business. And I was curious on the AI applications that they were using for either machine translation and or where the industry was going. So I started asking questions internally and found our AI, initi uh, AI innovation team introduced myself and asked just if I could sit in on some of their internal calls, looking at some of the innovative products that they're building in the space. 
from there, I started to do a little bit more reading and try to find the type of AI that I was interested in. Because if you think about it, artificial intelligence is multi-domain. And what multi-domain is, it's impacting pretty much every single industry, every single role function, either in a 100% way or it's it's the starting point of trying to understand how it can potentially start to help each individual role, right? So um, started with that. And from there, I just wanted to be part of these teams. So again, it's just about having that um, confidence to ask internally if you can either listen in or be a part of things. And that's fine. Nobody expects you to be an expert. There's actually not enough AI experts in the world for us to build um, the applications ahead of us. And as I was saying to you earlier, um, AI is powered from both the algorithm and obviously the uh, model itself, so the technical team, and, and, and sorry, the data. And that data needs to come from people like you and I, um, and they need subject matter experts from all walks of life and background to be able to build applications that are relevant to you or to somebody else in your role. So there's always a position for somebody in AI um, or at least to participate in, in some way, shape or form, whether that's on the data side, whether that's understanding product or program management. Um, you might be good at, at helping, um, you know, manage teams that are going to build AI. It could be, could be many different instances that you could be involved in the AI side of the business. The other way is if you've no interest in being involved in artificial intelligence, but you just want to start to learn, um, a great place to start would be LinkedIn Learning um, or any of these other learning um, sites. I mean, I love LinkedIn Learning. It's only, I think, depending on where you are in the country, about $30 US uh, a month. Um, and there's all sorts of different AI courses on there that range from, you know, entry point, intermediate to, to advanced. Um, and they can give you a really good overview on AI. Um, there's great articles out there published regularly by whether it's Harvard or Stanford. Um, they talk a lot about the future of artificial intelligence. There's reports out there that you can start to read, um, you know, Google things like the state of AI. Um, I know that Stanford released a annual state of AI report that talks through the key areas um, that artificial intelligence will be investing in. Um, so I think it's just about taking the time to scope out and start to learn a little bit about artificial intelligence. It's about asking um, your organization where they're implementing AI and how you can be involved and really understanding what that means for your job function um, and upskilling where possible. Um, it, it's not going away and it's important that we all start to support each other and understand what it means for our future and for our kids' futures, for our friends' futures and, and parents' futures and, and everybody that's around us. Um, and then the next part is, is podcasts like this. Come on, get involved, join different tribes and communities that are talking about artificial intelligence or specifically your domain um, and uh, start to ask questions, start to talk about it. That would be my advice. Taryn, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It makes me miss the days of the AI shows that we used to do and we used to even have people like Lex Friedman come on stage as well and MC Hammer and, you know, he used to dive deep into so many different topics and definitely uh, artificial intelligence is a very exciting field and Taryn has beautifully shared today in the podcast. So my final question, Taryn, would be how is it living in Silicon Valley? Somewhere actually I've wanted to move for a while. Um, how do you find that before we round things up? I love the Bay. Um, yeah, no, I love the Bay. Um, being an Australian coming from a tall poppy syndrome uh, company where we uh, 
don't like anybody successful. And if you are successful, we like to uh, shoot you down. Um, and also <laughs> <laughs> we like to keep all of our ideas because we all think we're going to become multimillionaires off these ideas to ourselves, uh, of which most people never implement. Um, Silicon Valley ethos is just the complete opposite. It's all about encouragement. It's about um, helping each other out. It's innovative. It's um, sharing. Like I, I hear ideas on a daily basis. I'm like, do you want me to sign an NDA? Like, are you allowed to tell me that? Um, it, it's just been such an amazing place to grow. Um, you know, I think when I first moved there, uh, originally I was overwhelmed because I felt like I wasn't doing enough to save the planet because um, you just meet such phenomenal, phenomenal people doing these big grand things. But then after that calm down, you realize that you just need to sit in your lane. And, um, you know, if you want to ask for help, people will help you. If you want to learn, people will teach you. Um, and you just find your little niche in the world that you want to make an impact. And yeah, it's been amazing. Um, I do spend my time because the weather in San Francisco is freezing. Um, and, uh, for an Aussie, it's just, you know, I miss my pool and my beach. Um, so I get down to Los Angeles a little bit more for, you know, the weekends or, you know, beach vacations and things like that. But, you know, it's, a, it's an hour and 10 minute flight. Um, so easy. It's, $99 flight basically between the two. So I'm, uh, I'm up and back regularly, but yeah, I love Silicon Valley. I live and breathe it. And uh, I'm fortunate that I get to work with some of the, the biggest AI companies in the Bay. So I think I've just learned, but I'm always the dumbest person in the room. And I, I kind of like that. So, um, it doesn't, doesn't impact me in any way other than just makes me want to learn more. I mean, that sounds wonderful. I mean, the network and, and I definitely had that feeling when I was first in the pandemic online, everyone has meaning from Silicon Valley and I just love the ideation and encouragement and talk about the future. And, and same in the UK, British people can be pretty conservative. So anything that's kind of a bit outlandish is seen as like, what the hell are you talking about? And I, and I, I definitely virtually feel that Silicon Valley vibe if I live it through Twitter or, you know, you on Instagram or anything else, but definitely one of, one of my, one of my next moves will probably be moving down to the Bay as well. So hopefully we can hang out. I know Sire yeah. came to see you. So we'll have a, a bunch of us hopefully talking all things AI and tech. But Tian, it's been so good to reconnect with you here and come on my podcast. Really appreciate it. Where can people follow you? That's a really good question again. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, not so much Instagram. That's a little bit more for my personal life or LinkedIn. Um, my name's a bit of a difficult one, but it's uh, it's under Tian, T-I-A-R-N-E, last name Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S. And, uh, yeah, I'm open to connect with anybody. Um, always always there to answer any questions. Again, I'm not an engineer. Um, I'm just, a, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just an, an influencer in the AI space that's passionate about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I welcome, you know, any questions, suggestions, or if you want reference material to read up on, I have a, a million links that I can send you to, uh, to good books and, and different articles. So please reach out and feel free to connect. Thank you so much, guys. Definitely follow Tara and she's super friendly and hopefully you'll see me in Silicon Valley hanging out with Tara pretty Yay. soon. <laughs> Make <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> Let's make this happen. And this podcast will be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, recorded on Colin, so you can follow us on Colin as well. Um, yeah, really enjoyed this episode, guys, and please uh, give us a rating and feedback as well. That's it from me. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.